Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It's because every single fucking song was like, nigga, 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 nigga. Well, I get a black, 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 black. My dick this, my dick that. Slavery. Uncle Sam, Uncle Tom. Hi, I'm Eric. And I'm Brittany. And we are for Color Nerds. Uh, which is the conversations that black people have when white people are not in the room. But we record them and put it on the internet. <laughs> yeah. I just want to give you guys a visual right now. Um, Eric is wearing a dashiki. <laughs> I am. I'm my best self when I wear my dashiki. You I have like I have like two of them. Honestly, my main visual, my main visual reference of you to Dashiki, because I actually have never seen you wear yours in person. I don't think. Oh really? I've only seen you wear them in the pictures of you with all your LeBron sprites. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I, man, y'all gotta, to steal from Bodega Boys a little bit. Shouts out to LeBron Sprite, LeBron's mix. I didn't LeBron's know. Mix sprite. I didn't know that it existed until it's so good. So I give you guys a little background. A couple months ago, John Vaughn came to visit. He drove because you know he moved to Chicago. Yeah. I was going to say R.I.P., <laughs> but yeah. still like... <laughs> Might as well. Yeah, but I mean, you don't mean... Oh, okay. Squad cool. took a loss. I know, squad, squad took a heavy loss. I mean, that's a nice thing for you to say about John. Yeah. Anyway, John came back to visit. He came to pay respects to Peanut. And um, he came on his sojourn with, I would say, like, buckets of LeBron's. No, 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 no. So, John... Okay, let me tell you. Because you took a bunch no, of photos no, no. with him. Le- All let right, tell the story. All right, so... John came, so me and John had actually recently reconnected over our love for LeBron's mixed Sprite, you know? Like, you have- Wait, rec- you and John ever disconnected? Me and John disconnect, like, every other week. Okay, true, 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 true. <laughs> so, we, you know, we were on the phone, you know, we were both like, oh, shit, like, yo, I'm having some LeBron's mix, and it's amazing. And then we were both talking about how you can't really find it anymore. Uh-huh. You know, and this was a while ago. This I didn't even know this shit existed. It was like a limited edition, just like, it was like, yo, LeBron just came, it was- it was LeBron's gift to us for the summertime after the finals. You know, right. he knew. Did he win the finals? No. Who won the finals? Steph Curry. Steph yeah, Curry yeah. with the pot. Golden State. Steph Curry with the pot is. Um. So. <laughs> so yeah. So we were like, damn, you can't really find LeBron's pipe. LeBron's mix anywhere. So when he got here, uh, first stop we made, we went to go get some wing stop. Yeah. True. True. John. Gotta you know loves wing stop. Gotta respect. Mm-hmm. But um, after that we went on a tour like three different bodegas and we came up on the right bodega like not um not three blocks from my house and or my apartment and (laughs) they had 
like five two liters of LeBron's mix. And we were like, <laughs> oh, shit. So, like, John and I both, because we didn't have no cash. I don't know why we went to bodegas with no cash. Oh. We both took out, like, $40 out the, uh, at the ATM. And brought and bought every bottle of LeBron's mixed Sprite in the fucking bodega. That's how and, that happened. <laughs> yeah. And so when we got back, we were like, "Yo, we just stunned out everybody. We got like we got a we got this beautiful bounty here. We gotta take some pictures with it." So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So like you know, we uh we arranged them in like different you know scenarios. Configurations. We took right? Configurations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we took some pictures with our LeBron's mix, and we drank we. I I didn't drink water for about a week because all I drank night and day. I woke uh, up and had a cup of LeBron's. Mix. How was uh, the viscosity of your blood that week? How was that? How little, was that pumping? A little sugary, a little, little thick. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I was happy. I was happy. Thank you, LeBron. I appreciate that. I didn't know, that, but you don't need understand. to bring it back. You had a fitted. This is also like yeah. right after the baby was born, and this was the first time oh, I had yeah. seen you. It was like the first time I actually physically seen you. I didn't, I didn't, you know, because I'd like ducked you went, off. Yeah, right. You were, you know, was you was zone. underground. Yeah. You were in the zone. Okay. That's a good way to describe it. So you had been talking about this dashiki, which you were like, I took it to my tailor, which is a <laughs> crazy fucking thing to say, first of all. And also, fuck you. I forgot you about this dashiki because I said I wanted one. And everybody wanted, I wanted everybody, one. I wanted one. Everybody and sex me. And you secretly went and got dashiki <laughs> and took it to the tailor and then got all LeBron Sprite. Yeah. And then you were like, Weren't you like laying next to your LeBron Sprite? I was laying on the ground with my hand in my hands with LeBron, well my my head in my hands with LeBron's mixed Sprite like surrounding two liters, me. two of liters, LeBron's Sprite. <laughs> like seven of them just surrounding me. I was like, every, that's why I'm saying like my dashiki. I have my best memories like affixed when I wear my dashiki. You've I'm gonna start dashiki for four months. I'm gonna start wearing it underneath my clothes like a Jewish prayer um, like cloth. I mean, that's a way. That's the way to go about it. You gotta, you gotta stay real all the time. You look a superhero. That way, if anything, if some <laughs> real ready. wild shit goes down, like rip his shirt off. Yo, I don't even, I, I don't even want to say the superhero name across my mind. <laughs> Not say it. <laughs> it's a couple of them. They start so, with N. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just gonna let, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let uh, our black audience marinate yeah. in that for a minute. The rest of y'all, <laughs> wash your ears out. But um, yeah. So uh, you got your dashiki on today. Yeah, feeling good. Feeling good. Well, you know, I'm celebrating my birthday tonight. Oh yeah, yeah, you are. I was I'm about to say I forgot. But you would never let me forget because you've been talking about it since I saw you. Scorpio season. Dead center. Scorpio season is time. Gotta get ready. My we're getting active tonight. What's that? We're getting active, active tonight. And my birthday is actually when this sh- when this show drops, my birthday's this coming weekend, Sunday, November fifteenth. But I'm celebrating week early because, you know, I wanted to keep my next weekend free to do what I gotta do. Uh <laughs> sleep and and stuff. And um, I say clarify. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah, so like next weekend, try to keep it breezy. But um, this weekend, I was like, you know what? Bam, about to have a birthday celebration. Um, but a celebration is very less a loose, it's a loose term. Nah, I mean we're gonna we're gonna get like look, look, look. My wonderful father in law is coming to take my child for the whole night. Oh shit! Oh, we're gonna have fun. Tonight. It's crazy because everybody's twisted. been like, people come to me like, oh my god, fucked up this week. Yo. I'm like, I'm tired like i just want to eat a hot I don't dog give and a go to bed damn we if we're not gonna have fun any other night we're gonna have fun tonight i know <laughs> that's why i want you to wear your shirt i don't want you to wear your My shirt she, yeah, yeah i'm gonna come out like yeah, but i mean it's it's real black in here uh i want to call you lebron that's not your name but i don't know maybe you're open to that i don't know <laughs> i mean it would you know that's a compliment yeah. i'm not lebron but you know i Balls. got some ball skills but ball yeah. is life y'all but. got the same hairline going damn. But... <laughs> <laughs> i was about to say shots fired <laughs> shots fired pew, pew. but um 
you know that had, it was it was right there. I didn't even know I was gonna it's do that. It was right there. But um, that's my birthday gift right there. <laughs> the fact that I'm sitting here, yeah. still got eyebrows on my face. <laughs> yeah. But uh, my hair is wrapped up. I love yeah. uh, you know early Badu, and um, we bringing yeah we got a lot of soul for y'all today. Right, <laughs> it re- really do though. Soulful episode uh, for colored nerds. Ready for y'all today. Yeah, so you know, we just been chilling. We what you been up to? What you been up to, Eric? What's good? What's good? What's going? What's going? What's I mean, going? I actually just been chilling. You know, I've been been working, coming home, just like living life. My sadly, my uh, my mom just went home. She Aww. was staying with us for a month. It was amazing. Thank you, Mama. I miss you. You know, what I'm saying she was feeding, like she fed us, fed us basically every day. What is that? Like I haven't had like? Chipotle in a month. Do you understand that? I used to eat Chipotle every other Chipotle day. Chipotle is that's that's your like It's on. a staple. Like it's like right, <laughs> like literally in our home is a staple. Like I haven't had Chipotle in a month. It's crazy, but like, and I haven't missed it. I haven't missed. Do you understand? Wow. Last night in my refrigerator right now. You want to? I got I'm, re- I'm ready. I'm ready. I have fried chicken. Oh shit! I have collard greens. What? I have hot water cornbread. What? I have a full pot of pinto beans. Oh my god! I got some salmon cakes. What? You know the fried like salmon. I know salmon yeah, croquettes. Hello, yeah. hello, hello. We know we. You know we both from Louisiana. Yeah, I got some salmon cakes. I got uh, what else did she cook? Some beef stew. Like, oh, don't get it twisted. Mom left the fridge stacked. See, I got to figure out, because, like, in order for me, the last time my mama really cooked a meal like that for me outside of a holiday, I moved away. And it was almost four years ago. That was the last time I was able to get a meal like that. And now I'm starting to realize I have to have a baby. Yeah. I was so, like, so blessed. I feel like, like, every time she would cook, I feel like I got baptized by the blood of Jesus. That's so deep. That's real. That's deep. I, don't, I can't even say that much more about it, but I'm, you know, shed a tear, pour one out. My mom uh, is back at home in Memphis, mm-hmm. and we're gonna miss her. You know what I'm saying? Especially because now we have to take care of our kid full time. Yeah, <laughs> that do be the problem. That, well, I'm a little sad about that. Yeah, I just forgot to talk to you. What was it like two weeks ago? And you were like, "Yeah, well, you know, I got a lot more free time now." And I was like, "Cause your mom's been here every day for the past month." But all right. I, yeah. I like I like the delusion that you're living in where no, it was you just amazing. magically the baby just taking care of herself. She's self sufficient. I mean, she basically is now. She can hold a bottle by herself. Oh my god! Mom was teaching her things while I, we were gone. I'm excited. I'm excited because she's coming to Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. She's going to be lit. I in in my mind, she eats regular food. I was about to say like she's gonna eat all your food, but she she doesn't. She, she drinks breast milk. <laughs> like yeah, my baby is hungry. <laughs> like, no, no. I yeah, know. I was gonna say I was like I think uh, I don't know. She, I don't. I don't think baby mm. infants like cornbread dressing. It doesn't really work like that. Yeah, no. So I'm chilling, you know. <laughs> yeah. She's not about to, you know, I'm making apple pie this year. Mm. So pray. Mm. Uh, but you can yeah. cook, though. I almost shaded you, but you can cook. I actually can legitimately. And I made my first apple pie a couple weeks ago, apple picking, and came back. I made some apple pie. It was delicious. The crust was a little raggedy, but, you know, live it's and learn. baby get, steps. Right. You baby right. steps, you know. What else can I tell? Oh, yes. Something I want to talk to you about before we get into the thing that we're going to get into before we talk about what we're going to talk before about. Before we get to the thing, the thing? Yeah, the before we get thing. to the thing before the thing. The shirt before the shirt. <laughs> Jim Tail Laundry. Um, but before we get to that, uh, I just wanted to touch on the Chirac trailer. Oh, yeah. I mean, and actually somebody ah, who somebody tweeted us about yes, this. Twitter, Twitter user. Felton Kaiser. Felton oh, yeah, Kaiser. yeah. Felton Hopefully. Kaiser. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how I read it. All right, but uh, hit us up and was like, yo, have you seen this show? <laughs> I sent it to you on Slack. No, you sent it to me on Slack. <laughs> I didn't, I saw that you sent it to me. I saw 
what's that girl's name? Beautiful young woman. Tiana Paris. Tiana Paris. Good goddamn. So I saw her in the little, in the screen grab. And then I saw somebody else say, listen, Strata. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to watch this today. I'm at work right now. <laughs> and, you know, we really trying to grind self-care. this shit. Right, self-care. So I was like, I'm not going to sit here and just do that to myself. So yeah. I was like, mm. But please, I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, I mean, okay, look. Oh, some background. Chirac is the new Spike Lee joint that's coming out. That's kind of all you guys say. That's all you guys say. That's all you guys say. <laughs> like, it's a, like, it's a Spike Lee joint. It's not like Inside Man where, you know, he this was like. This is a Spike like, Lee film. Like, this is a, or like, he like wrote, is <laughs> wrote and directed. Yes. Um, and the trailer is a little rough. You know, but that's it. I love Spike Lee. Like, I love Spike I Lee. I will see all of them. I even like, will like willingly forget about Miracle of St. Anna. Like it just didn't happen. Miracle of St. Anna is actually uh better than She Hate Me to me. No. Yeah. I love She Hate she Me. She Hate Me is She Hate Me is amazing. A <laughs> that movie she is, is amazing. A mess. We should do an episode on She Hate Me. Straight up. Should I could talk we... about She Hate Me for like three hours. Really? Because like I Seriously. was gonna be like, look, that that's that made me afraid to date because I was like, <laughs> is this really the shit that y'all be thinking about? Is this how you feel about yourself? But just real quick, this man connected like whistleblowing. Uh uh-huh. in addition to, you know, uh selling your seed. Yeah. Like in addition to it's talking also, about sperm. Erica's talking about semen. Sorry. I mean your seed. I know. I'm just yeah. I'm just letting people know. Uh but yeah, in addition to it really like touched on, you know, the uh black male's perspective on what I guess they imagine lesbian relationships are like. <laughs> Again. Not, like, you know, like I give a fuck. Not to say that okay, it's yeah. any is accurate at all, but yeah. Yeah, hey, he, he went there, you know, and he 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 weaved a story that hit all those plot lines. There was like, you know, the father-son relationship. There was like some intrigue. Like, it was, you know it was an excellent film. Fine, right. So, great. Uh, <laughs> Sucker Free City was also weak as hell. And then yeah. there's everybody's least favorite Fucking! Actually, I forgot about the blood, blood of Je- the blood of Jesus. The blood. I haven't seen that one. Nobody I won't lie. Really I haven't seen that. The blood of Jesus. I heard it was like. I heard it was wild. Uh, I didn't see it because people because it was after Red Hook. Not everyone's least favorite Red, Red Hook Summer. Yeah, okay. After I saw Red Hook Summer, I was like, yeah. I don't know if I can rock with you. That said, yeah, that's I actually it. I have hope for Chirac. I really do. I really truly do. And I'm not dismayed by the trailer. Like, if you go back and watch, and actually I responded to uh, Felton Kaiser mm-hmm. uh, on Twitter, and I was like, have you seen the She Hate Me trailer? Like, that trailer is a mess. Is a mess. And, the like, the the movie is so much better than the trailer. Like, the mo- even if you don't like the movie, yeah. the trailer is like, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and this trailer is not that much better, but I have hope. <laughs> <laughs> I have hope that there is, you know, some uh, redemption in the actual Well, film. weirdly enough, I was the whole time I was in there, and as much as I love Sam Jackson, I just went back and, re- and rewatched uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance recently, yeah. which is like the it's amazing. best movie amazing. ever made. Like, watching it in 2015, when they say the wild shit, yeah. the, like, when you hear Sam Jackson, I was like, Sam Jackson ain't never fucking lied. But <laughs> Sam Jackson sometimes do be about a check, so I saw him in there, and I was like, all right. And, you know, he and Spike, they got that deep, they got the Morehouse connection, they got yeah. that deep, long, long-lasting, you know, creative relationship. So I was like, all right, cool. And I saw Nick Cannon, and I was like, all right. Did you see Wesley Snipes, though? <laughs> I missed <laughs> With Wesley. With the eye patch? The that, dude, was, that was Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes is back um, in a Spike Lee movie. I'm no, there. No, actually, that actually might get it. But when I saw Dave Chappelle, you know how I feel about Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, secretly, I saw him last month, which I did not tell almost any of my yeah, friends and family. I knew that. I was real mad because you just told me, like, right before you went in. And yeah. And I was like, oh. Yep. 
Okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> so that's a secret. Then I was like, cat's out of the bag. I'm about to, it's a controversial statement I just gave right mm. now. But uh, I saw Dave Chappelle and I was like, all right, I'm going to show up. Because I don't know what it is. Dave Ch- if, like, I respect the shout Dave Chappelle. I would love to have any conversation with him about anything. Yeah. But I also would, if he proposed to me, which is unlikely, but if he proposed to me, I would marry him and go back to live on that farm in Ohio in a heartbeat. Mm. I feel that strongly about Dave Chappelle just as his spirit as a person. Mm. Um, so okay. I was like, all right, I'm going to show up. But the thing about the plot is that it's about Liz Estrada, which is like basically, yeah. you know, Greek and these people are ancient Greek. Basically, you know, Greek. <laughs> it's ancient Greece. And, you yeah. know, these people are fighting and killing each other and shit. And so, um, you know, in order to get the men to stop fighting, the women withhold sex. Cut now, you off. The, no, but let me tell you the shout out. Shout out to somebody who actually has never listened to the show, so they will never hear the shout out to my younger Tiffany? sister. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to my younger sister, Tiffany. Uh, back when I was living with her and her friend Michael in uh, 2010, when I was on my, in my uh, smooth two years of couch surfing, um, I moved from one couch to another couch, mm-hmm. which was theirs. And we had the worst cable. It was like F, I think it was called like oh, no, RCN. Shout out DC. Mm. Shout out RCN is actually the only cable that's slight. No, actually, it's actually slightly better than Optimum. So yeah. there you go. But they showed all the time, or maybe it was on Netflix. I can't remember. A Miami Tale. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany said, yeah. my sister said yeah. that she was like, I don't know why everybody freaking out about Chirac, Chirac like it's some new shit. She was like, really, Spike Lee is biting Trina yeah. in a Miami tale. Yeah. And when she said that, I was like, wow, Tiffany, like that was a perspective. That was a hot take. I mean, that was some strong but it was perspective. Accurate. Very it was accurate. accurate. <laughs> Very accurate. Where's the lie? And so it's kind of like, you know, this man, now, it's, it makes you question, you know mm. what I'm saying? Like, he's in, you know, he's he's in a meaty part of his career. Maybe he's not making the best stuff, but he's also at a point where he can experiment yeah. and still get money to do whatever the fuck he wants to do. So he's in a meaty part of his yeah. career. He's teaching at NYU film school. Doing it. Biting Trina. And so... But that's, I mean, if you want to buy from somebody, I'll buy from Trina. I'll buy from Trina. But it was very interesting, very deep that she said that, you know, I'm hoping one day she'll be, she'll come on the show. Mm-hmm. She's been asking to come on the show. She's never heard it. No. She has no clue what the show's about. <laughs> no. Nope. Not going to happen. No. She tells other people to listen to it. I'll give her that credit. She has the, She's never going to hear what I'm saying about her right now, <laughs> um, which is hilarious. But yeah, it's a lot to think about when you unpack. So I would say anybody, uh, before you see Chirac, I would say go back and watch a Miami Tale. Yeah, um, excellent film, excellent film. There's a character. <laughs> there's a character in the film who I'm probably dressed like today called Mama Africa. <laughs> I've seen Miami Tale like eight times. <laughs> what's great? What's great about a movie like Miami Tale is just to set the set the stage real quick. Uh-huh. All you're wearing is black jeans, uh, you know, like a white tank top, uh-huh. and I guess what you call like, I mean. For everybody, African print, quote unquote. Yeah, this uh, is this is actually this is just <laughs> like a head wrap. You got fake a head wrap Versace on. print from the thrift store, but yeah, look yeah. African. And this on me. That would make you Mama Africa. Yep, exactly. <laughs> All I need is like some some wooden earrings in the shape of the continent that mm. I bought on Fulton, and I'm set. Yeah, I'm done. There you go. But yeah, no. So that's um. So Chirac, I'm very curious I'm to see excited. what happens with that. That's I'm why excited. I did it last also, night. Also, Tiana Paris is is amazing, man. <sighs> Tiana Paris is gorgeous she's beautiful she's talented i'm excited for her i'm excited for and also lala i have so many thoughts about lala yeah i mean you gotta respect lala's thespian game like have you seen have you ever watched uh, power lala as a thespian no (laughs) but i know this is gonna sound really prurient mm -hmm. but i know i've i've seen the screen grabs of her nude (laughs) on power (laughs) 
And actually, um, are we going here today? Somebody told me uh, someone. I'm not going to say who it is, but they know who they are. They told me to watch. It's not even who you think it is. I was about to say I, no. I could guess. <laughs> My coworkers told me oh, to watch wow. Power. Yo, Power. Yeah, one of my coworkers told me to watch Power. Power is amazing. Like, real talk, Power doesn't get the respect that it deserves uh, because of Empire, but they're really nothing alike. Yeah, but I've Power heard Power is, hit its stride second is, season. Uh, Amazing. I've heard it's dope. It's amazing. And Lala, I mean, you know, uh, I'm not going to comment on her news because it's somebody's wife and somebody's mama, um, but she's a gorgeous woman. And a skilled actress. See, that's patriarchy right there. But also, you. Sh- but I see why you're not commenting on the nudes. So you know what I'm saying. I'm I feel like, right, no. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna sidestep the controversy. I'm gonna sidestep. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna stay out I of it. I got that. it. I got it. I got it. But um, but yeah. I mean, she's a beautiful woman, amazing actress. Yeah. She plays um, Natari Nottens. Uh, Naughton? Is it Naughton? Yeah, Nat- Natari. Natari. Oh man, you would think we've been drinking today. We really <laughs> we haven't. haven't. Amazingly, it's literally sober. like eleven, twelve a.m. But yeah, she plays her best friend, and she, um, she's just good. She's just good. She, you know, she's one of the reasons I come back. I I'm, have to I'm check not afraid to say that. Uh, you know, I mean, I had a lot of thoughts about Lala. My sister, my younger sister Tiffany, who's never again, yeah. never listened to the show. She keeps me up to date. Do you watch Full Lala. Court Life? I know. I know who Dice and Poe are. I know. Yo, who, I mean, Full but, Court. You we watch, have to do a. I watch everything. You already you know. You really watch everything. Wa- you stress me out right now. Um, <laughs> Full court life is. Yeah, amazing. her. Yeah, I know all about her cousins, and I know. I know she's a little. She's a little clingy. I know that. But she mm. also wrote a book about how to win it, like business. And I was like, Oh. Hey. I mean, I mean, you know, she yeah, got. I'm checks. sure she got some hustles. She got checks. She got checks. No Trump checks. I, I mean, like she Mimi. got. She got more money I know than we do. I know she got more money than Mimi, also. <laughs> Yeah, no, Mimi's I mean, rich, it's actually reminds me when uh, Tiana Taylor and Rihanna had that Twitter feud. <laughs> and she was like, oh, Tiana Taylor, people were, everybody on Twitter was like, oh, Tiana Taylor got $500,000. No, I, I get it. But also, like, I've never seen $500,000 yeah. in one place. Yeah. In life, or in two places, split up in half or in a quarter. I don't I've even know had... what to type in on the calculator to get to 500000 No. Like, I can't, no. I can't no. conceive. Uh, mm-hmm. Today, what are we talking about today? Um, today... We're talking about a few things, but mm-hmm. I mean, I think mainly we want to talk about, you know, being black because <laughs> we don't ever surprise. Talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we're gonna um, touch on Sammy Davis Jr. Uh-huh. You know, talk about um, kind of I think the double consciousness that black people go through. Yeah, um, and then we're gonna get to Outcast. Outcast. We're gonna talk about uh, Big Boy Andre Three Thousand. Yeah, and their three stacks and their commitment to the culture. You know, what I'm saying what they've cool. done for for everybody and black weirdos everywhere. Everywhere eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. 
But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. So let's get to it. Let's so to you it. actually, you actually kicked us off. No, bit. you kicked us off. I mean, off. I kicked it off a little bit. You kicked it off. Erica sent us, you sent us, you yeah. sent me. I mean, I sent you. I said it like, <laughs> so, but all of us, the collective audience. He sent me a great article from Pitchfork. Yeah. Uh, that was an outcast retrospective. It was really fucking dope. In this article, there's one longer essay by Jeff Weiss. Mm-hmm. And then they did a bunch of other essays that cataloged each of their albums Mm -hmm. like going all the way to even through like Idlewild which everybody wants to forget yeah Morris Brown was not Morris Brown was really good I I even like Hollywood Divorce to be real with you that's not that's not wild that's not wild but yeah they they go through each of their albums and talk about their contribution to the culture like Outkast like they really grew and this is something I think we'll touch on soon they grew with with hip hop, they grew mm-hmm. with people, and they grew as people, and it was a very like visible journey. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of talk about that weaving um, their growth and their journey into uh, popular culture as a whole. It was really good, and so I sent that to you, yeah. And I was like, damn, like you know, it's been I think at this point it's been ten years since Speakerbox Love Below, yeah, it is, which was amazing. amazing. And so I sent that to you, and honestly, I didn't like I didn't know if I was like this could be a really good. I yeah, think this could be a really good conversation. But I didn't know exactly how to approach it. And you sent this really good essay that was posted on Matter. Flames. Um, I, I got to give Laurent, Laurent for the plug. He sent that yeah. to me first. Yeah, it was amazing. Really, really good by Calvin Baker called Colorblind, A Pocket Guide to Race in America. And fuck. This, so good. <laughs> this is, is really, so good. really good. Like, so good. damn. I mean, the. I mean, like, I don't even know if I could even summarize it because it goes so many yeah. different places. It starts off with this anecdote of where Calvin Baker, the guy who wrote it, I think he's ta- he's talking to Gregory Hines at a party. He happens yeah. to be a party and they're talking. And he tells, like, some story. Which uh, one? Can we just say? Yeah, I mean, fucking peak, <laughs> peak. Like, damn. Yeah. Rest like, in peace. Yeah, R.I.P. Oh, God, I have so many feelings about Gregory Hines. But yeah, so he's at a party just talking to Gregory Hines, as one does. Yeah. And he like tells him some story about drugs or whatever, and he's like, "Why this thing?" He's like, "You know, why would you want to do that?" And he was like, "You know, because I wanted to go on a journey," which is like, <laughs> like you know, that's, that's yeah. like shit. That's a mic drop moment because yeah. like, like when are black people ever allowed that? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Just to like and to be able to talk about it, right? Like, right? Yeah, yeah. Like that's that's not something that we're ever fucking allowed. Then like a few weeks later, he's like at dinner with like talking to this other like person. Um, and this guy who was like a, who was it? Oh, Gerald Ely, who was then the head of African studies at Washington University. So he was working at the time on a Sammy Davis Jr. reader, which is, a, it was a, it's a preposterous concept to me when I initially read this. Mm-hmm. Like, so I know that like, you know, this man was sitting there like, what are you talking about? Like yeah. what? <laughs> so he was just kind of like, oh, okay, right. Sammy Davis Jr. reader. 
And then this guy said something that really stuck out to me, which obviously stuck out to the dude who wrote it, which is he was the, like the guy said, he was the first black man in public life to demonstrate it was okay to go on a journey. When you think of Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, I mean, Sammy, J, Sammy Davis Jr. was a, one of the earliest people who I can identify who was always extremely complicated. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. people's relationship with him is is like super complicated. And we talk yeah. about like, you know, the a complicated relationship with blackness. Like Sammy Davis Jr. has always had a very complicated yeah, relationship yeah, yeah, yeah. to blackness. You know, like from an immense amount of popularity, from converting to Judaism. Converting to Judaism, always seeming to exist as kind of portrayed as maybe a little bit of a token. Yeah, a, a little bit. I, I think mean, that, <laughs> I would say that like that I would say he's one of the he probably I think he minted like I think he probably minted the idea. Yeah. <laughs> because it, it's one of those things if you think about it. I think they go they talk about this in the in the piece. The dude's like, "Yeah, you like if you pull out like at the time, like Sammy Davis, Sammy Davis Jr. was like like doing some off the wall shit yeah. like if Amos and Andy before him step and fetch it for him you think about like a Butterfly McQueen or a Hattie McDaniel like yeah. he wasn't playing those roles like he was like in the Rat Pack like yeah. he, he was playing in legitimate, Ocean's Eleven you know like serious roles yeah like sure he was a token but that was a big shift at the time and yeah. even the way that he lived his life just kind of like I'm gonna try this I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna you know be in love with this person and I'm gonna you know before we recorded Eric was telling me this wild ass story of how he became friends with Richard Nixon. Yeah. And the price he paid for that. Yeah. He kind of like, he he existed off script, off book. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he just was like, he was definitely doing his own thing before there was like a framework to understand that. And I think that he paid the price of that a little bit, you oh, know, yeah. in terms of, you know, people started, especially as the uh, civil rights movement kind of went on, like folks yeah. definitely looked at him and his contribution to, like, art and culture with a little bit of disdain. Skepticism. Yeah, like, you know, folks, we started to resent his ability to be that token, his comfort in yeah. that. Being around the Rat Pack and, like, there always being kind of, like, a dubious relationship to race within that. Like, you know, yeah. in addition to, like you said, his relationship with Richard Nixon. Like, yo, Richard Nixon doesn't give a fuck about yeah. black folks. You no. know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> no. Like, let's be real. And that's putting it lightly, you know. Yeah. Kicked off the drug war. Like, yeah, let's, literally. <laughs> let's talk about it. But. We in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For him to be, to willingly embrace Richard Nixon, like, he paid a significant price with that and his career took a big hit like folks didn't really fuck with him so he came back around yeah. like towards I would say like probably like late 70s and yeah. 80s you know we um, about to die yeah. yeah and you know I can't imagine how difficult something like that is like yeah. to you know to be yourself and realize that the probably the change to be advocating for some degree of change within your own life and within your own art and your own career yeah and to have the people who you you know, care most about experience that in, you know, in ways that have like love and ways that have like extreme vitriol, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I can't, I can't picture that. And that's got to be extremely tough. Mm -hmm. You take what's offered to you mm -hmm. and, you know, your relationship with your career is defined through, through whiteness to a degree. To a degree. <laughs> yeah. To a degree. Yeah. And I mean, interestingly enough, this brings up like kind of one of the, the key points that, that, Calvin Baker touched on he kind of brought back this idea of like the double consciousness mm -hmm. you know this is something that was coined by uh, W.E.B. Du Bois and it talks about just looking at you you look at yourself through the lens of your your own race mm -hmm. and black people look at themselves through blackness but then also they have to look at themselves 
as being black in relationship to being white. Absolutely. So you you know you're thinking about yourself in this in in two ways that yeah. white people don't really have, have to, to do. No. And that's got to be really difficult. And then we were talking about how even he's like grown as a person. He's he's getting like real big. Starts dating Kim Novak. Kim Novak, who's you know a Hitchcock blonde. Yeah. Yeah. And like so, they had this like deep ass relationship to the point where like even like like to see each other, she was like laying down in her limousine. Like yeah. it was the shit was super fucking like you talk about like clandestine affair. Yeah. Like they was fucking lit, and they were like really in love and shit. And like you know he wanted to he wanted to get married. Yeah, but <laughs> that shit wasn't <laughs> and no a big fly. but. You know the uh, the head of uh, Kim Novak's studio at the time because people were signing the studios. Yeah. Back then. Um, was like, nah, son. Like, you, yeah, you're not doing that. No, nah, it's not going down like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not. This black man is about to marry this white woman who is about to make me all this money. Yeah, no. Nah. So they straight kidnapped him. Yep. For like, I think like a couple of days or some hours or some shit. I don't know. Yeah, sure. and they were like, so what you're not gonna do is marry this white woman. Nah. And what you're about to do right now is find any old black woman and get married to her. Yep. So. You know, Sammy Davis Jr. wasn't no no small time dude at this point. No, you know what I'm saying. But to like imagine being at that level and then being just like snatched, yeah. You know, back to I hate to say like your place, but them like looking at you and putting you back in this position where you realize you have very little power. You yeah. have to kind of follow a very specific mold. So the shit back then, I mean, that's like, that's a real, like, I can't, like, it's unconscionable to me on a certain level. Like, it's totally logical, but it's also, like, thinking about what that looks like, what that must have felt like, what that must have been like is wild. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it also just, just to go back, like, he had to really, like, he had to focus on living his life a very specific way. Yeah. You know, and that that puts a lot of who he was publicly mm-hmm. in perspective. You know, he was still a very different dude, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he, you know, consistently had the conk, you know, yeah. like... <laughs> Yeah. He was a very different dude in how he expressed himself. Yeah. Um, But even still, you can tell that, like, he clearly had some extreme boundaries. And I think Calvin Baker did an excellent job of uh, kind of framing that. You know, he was talking about how uh, actually he said that white people want affirmation that the inner life of Mm. black folks is more or less the way black folks exist in the white imagination. Yeah. And like shit you know what's funny is that like that makes me think about the last episode that we did yeah dear white people i think it was episode 31 32 where you know in the last episode we we were explaining to this um to this white couple that that reached out to us like about wanted advice on moving to the hood as a means of progressing integration as a uh, you know again as a means of like you know helping to end racism and then police brutality by extension it was real confusing it was kind of messy it was interesting (laughs) you should go back and listen to it we had feels yeah we had feels this shit was wild but um yeah but like it like like we talked about like how white people ask us questions and want us to give them the answers that they want to hear and like in our art white people want to hear like they they're only interested in our like the inner workings of our minds and they're only interested in our creative lives as long as it reflects how they th- believe us to be you know in their imaginations which is yeah six or seven different levels of wild <laughs> yeah like yeah. frustrating at the least you know infuriating you know 
at best. At best, exactly. <laughs> and like it's it's interesting to like uh, you know when you when you when you know, we talk about a uh, when you talk about a Sammy Davis Jr. or Gregory Hines or even Nina Simone as we talked about before. These people, given the constraints that they had at the time, yeah. like did so much to like live like to kind of chart their own course and to live outside of you know what a lot of people felt like they should be doing and how people felt like they should be living i think that's so fucking major and that's like what so when i when i read that i kind of like i'd read the outcast piece but I, it's it was like in the back of my mind i didn't know what to do with it yet so when i read the the calvin baker piece from matter i was just like fuck like yeah. there's this phrase like it's popular on tumblr it's popular in brooklyn probably popular other places like uh, uh, being a black weirdo yeah i think it actually might have might have been popularized by the satisfaction i guess now if i had to just like give you a quick image of like what a black weirdo is just like think of afropunk just think yeah. of the like like the people like the general swath of people who show up and it's just kind of like being black being okay with your weirdness and letting those things like two things like coexist so like i like sort of thought about like okay so kind of in a way like he's kind of saying that Sammy Davis Jr. is like one of the original like black weirdos. Like he was kind of just doing him, yeah, for better or for worse, yeah, and like kind of just like you know as much as he could, as much as he within could within the space that was available to him. Exactly. Like people forget, like you know, Sammy Davis Jr. was popular like in the fifties and sixties. Like this is not, you know, yeah, this is not two thousand and two. You know what I'm saying? Like no. there's you just can't. There, there wasn't the space available to him to be as black as he wanted to be. And, you know, and even to be, uh, it was clear that he was likely afraid, considering all the things that have yeah, happened to him yeah. in his life, um, to be to be that. Yeah. You know, to be who he, to be the full expression of himself. Yeah, and he still got pretty fucking weird. So, yeah. like, <laughs> like I thought about, like, Sammy Davis Jr. as, like, one of the, like, like, as, like as an early black weirdo. Yeah. And then... Like, it got me thinking, all right, like, so, like, I get, like, there's this whole, there's this whole Tumblr aesthetic around, like, being a black weirdo, and it looks like Afropunk, and being a carefree black person, and that yeah. looks like mixed people with, you know, flower crowns, and uh, <laughs> one day, fields with in fields with sunflowers, and you know what, and someday, I'm a, someday, we're gonna get there. someday we gonna have an episode where I'm gonna sit down with the black folks at Tumblr and be like, y'all's fixation with mixed people, mm-hmm. gotta stop. But that's going to be another day. It's not going to be today. But I see that, like, there's probably kids who are, like, 16, 17, 21, who are, like, deep in this black weirdo, carefree black person, art ho movement, all this kind of stuff. And, like, their aesthetic is very specific. But when I think about, and I'm granted I'm not old. I will be 28 in, like, a week. But when I think about, like, what I grew up with as far as, like, who did I look up to when I was growing up who kind of like allowed me to see that there was like lot like being black could be a multitude of things. Yeah. First name that came to mind, Outcast. And I would say they're one of the first groups of our generation mm-hmm. that really pushed the boundaries of like what you had to do to appreciate them. Like the music itself was mm. amazing. Yeah. You know, don't get it twisted. But you had to really like sit with it. It was it's thick like it's really really thick you have to move past even like even being black you yeah. have to move past certain things to really say like yo this is like this is really good this is interesting this is different like yeah appreciating that at the time that they were out like yeah. at the time that they came out how revolutionary that was is like it's crazy like you said like making space for you to feel comfortable being different yeah you know like they're their journey, like even getting to 
being who we like when we think of Outkast yeah. classically. Yeah. It's just so like it's so interesting in itself. And also like I mean and it's it's wild too cuz it is at the end like you say journey like there are two black men from the hood in Atlanta yeah. who publicly have gone on like at this point like a 20 year like musical like 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 journey of a musical career and like of a creative partnership and of like a friendship and of like a dialogue on what it means to be black in America like with their audience yeah. and that's like some really that's some real deep shit so like outcast was able to exist in this space like where they were able to talk about the trap from being within it yeah but then also could take that step back and critique it and mm-hmm. talk about its place in the world and how they thought about life outside of it oh does that make sense i don't know That's the, no it kind of reminds me it kind of reminds me of like the double consciousness in a way exactly yeah. like they you know they were they looked at themselves and their culture from like these again these two viewpoints like they you know part of it was uh you know like hood or street and the other part was you know many things like it it's tough to actually um put one word on it but a part of it was weird a part of it was like conscious a part of it was like futuristic Mm -hmm. but it was it was always two things at once and that's that's something that's pretty unique and that especially looking at the gap before them like you know like yeah yeah hip-hop was in a very specific place very specific place like even like the, the beginning of the pitchfork article like starts with the 1995 source awards yeah and how i think what they won for best new rap group yeah. and like suge knight was not pleased and that's you never <laughs> you never want to be in that position yeah as a human being being uh having suge knight feeling anything toward you that's it yeah. he 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 was rarely known as a happy man. <laughs> <laughs> this is very true. But, but I mean, like, 1995, you think about that year in hip-hop, and it's like, you know, I mean, the first thing that you think of is, like, East Coast, West Coast. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? And, like, like now Southern rap is, is, like, in a part of, like, the like the larger hip-hop conversation. is like, it's a mainstay. It's yeah. been it's been that way for, I think, a little over a decade. Like, Southern rap is a thing. I hate to say it, actually. It would arguably be more, like, I would say now... Yeah. You know, maybe now, like, West Coast rap is probably having a huge resurgence, but yeah. Southern rap dominated. Oh, my God. Like, hip-hop for I, the past, like, probably, like, I 10 to, years. I was going to say, I hate to even put it like this, but, like, this is weird, but, like, I actually think that when Diddy started Bad Boy South and put Young Jock on, that actually, like, I think, like, somebody from the North coming down and putting money and kind of just, like, being like, all right, this is what it is. Because if you think about it, like, they came from Atlanta. But, like, if you think about, like, they're, they're from Atlanta and they managed to reach a wider audience. They were, yeah. like, the first, I would say, like, major Southern, like, rap group, like, or, like, really artists to reach, like, a wider audience. But, like, uh, you think about um, shit, like, Slip and Slide was yeah. down in Florida. Like, they were they were in their own little thing. Everybody, like, you know, uh, Wheezy and everybody in, in Louisiana and uh, New Orleans were doing Before their own them, specific yeah, thing. A lot. Houston, yeah. do you know what I'm saying? Like, UGK doing their own specific thing. Memphis, too. Yes, Memphis. Oh, hey, 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 hey. I would never, I would never leave Gangsta Boo out of any conversation, uh, nor Crunchy Black. You know, even uh, shit like David Banner. Yeah. For the longest time, like there are some people who don't fuck with this early music. To that I say, um, I don't have anything to say to you. But there's people who don't like his early music. But if you think about like David Banner, like he couldn't. He because he was in the South, he had to learn how to produce and make his own beats. Being from Mississippi, because no. Nobody would nobody would make beats for people in yeah. the South. So like the fact that Outcast was able to like 
come up in this moment where like it wasn't just East Coast, West Coast was dominating aesthetically, but like that battle was like a cultural fucking moment. Like we were deep in the clutches of that shit and somehow Outkast was able to come out of Atlanta weird as fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Weird as fuck. Like that's a Hail Mary pass. Like I mean that's like a long shot. The cool thing about Outkast is it's not just how they looked. It really was the music too. Like mm-hmm. if you go back and listen to every single album, but specifically they started to take a real deep turn like with like AT Aliens, like mm-hmm. Elevators, like nothing mm-hmm. really sounds like that. And then once Equimini hit, whew, whew, like I remember whew. shit, uh the art of storytelling number 2. Number 2. Like Sasha Thumper. Well no, that's one. That's one. That's one. Art of Storytelling 2, oh, maybe Jesus. that's the one that sounds like the world is about to fucking blow up. Yes. Like, you hear the clock ticking in the back. But I just remember, like, like you listen to something like that, and it feels like your mind is stretching to accommodate it. Like well, the crazy thing is that they had also, like, like so, like, like the, the aesthetics of their music, right, was so, like, from another planet. But then, like, a lot of the shit that they were rapping about was just regular, it was, everyday shit it was rooted in like it was rooted in stuff that we all know yeah and i think that's a big it was a big part of like of their popularity is because like no matter like how weird they got yeah you know like it was it was still familiar yes it absolutely was recognizable you know and and especially to black people you know like you knew the the way they pronounced words like Mm -hmm. even though it sounded really different like you could you could just feel the blackness in what they said you want to talk about black ass albums like all of them all (laughs) literally all of them yeah yeah i guess i never really thought about them as being like that like because you know we just had the the kendrick conversation and um i was at brunch a few months ago talking about um i think it was it was a ugk album i think it was I've been writing dirty. So it was a UGK album and then also um, Drake's uh, If You're Not Home By Now, whatever the fuck it says. I don't know. (laughs) If you're reading this, it's too late. Yeah, if you're reading this, it's too late. Whatever. Um, Nothing was the same. What a time to be alive. It's all the same shit. So, um, yeah, like one of the things that we had talked about was like how when you listen to UGK, like, no, when you listen to Drake, Drake was always talking about the six, talking about the six, talking about the six. But I didn't really get any sort of, I couldn't get any feeling of what Toronto was like. Yeah. Um, which I think is probably fine. But like when you listen to UGK, I remember we listened to that shit we were down in Houston for Jason's wedding. It's like when you're down there, you're like, oh, fuck. Like this is like, like you hear it, you feel Houston. They paint, like, and this, that's the thing about, think about Southern rap specifically. There's so much texture like they really you know southern rappers like paint the picture outcast yeah. specifically like you know you know the cars you're gonna see yeah. you know what color they're gonna be oh yeah you know what the interior looks you like you know how slow they're driving you know people are parked <laughs> but, the, but the thing but, but to go back to my point about um about like 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 being able to like get, provide a sense of place yeah one of the things like we talked about kendrick's album and now this is just like something to think about now and how black it was but like it's because every single fucking song was like, nigga, 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 nigga. Blackity, black, 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 black. My dick this, my dick that. Slavery. Uncle Sam, Uncle Tom. N-E-G-U-S, right? So, like, yeah, it was a super black album. And, yeah, he had George Clinton and all this stuff. And it was, you know, we talked about it before. Another episode, King Kutu, number 17. Um, but I actually, like, I think about Outkast. And now that you kind of mention it, like, they didn't have to say any of that shit but their music is 
some of the blackest shit yeah. I mean, you will ever hear. Stankonia is the name of, a, of, the, of an like, album. Like, that's a real thing that happened. Yeah. And that album cover. Yeah. Like, black I mean, exploitation, fuck it. No, no, I'm thinking of. Um, Equimini. Equimini. Yeah, 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 yeah. But even still, Stank. Stankonia, he had the Mary J. Blige yeah. little flip out wig. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I mean, homeboy like had to. Would you? Would it be a flip out? No, nah, I don't think that was a wig. No, one. I think that was his hair. And oh, then you're two, right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. I look at that more like a blowout almost. Like it was just. It was re- a, I remember it being very feathery. I'll put it to you like this. I'm about to look. I'm looking up the picture right now so I can see. <laughs> it is his hair, and I think I don't know because I'm gonna tell you what he's got the wrap on top that's covering yeah. his edges. So. You never know. You never know. Yeah. You never know. That's a pro tip for those of y'all who don't know. The edges are covered up. Uh, you don't know because <laughs> But yeah, he. I mean, what's blacker than a fresh press? Right. Do you know what right. I'm saying? And 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 it's interesting that you say that. But there were pieces of that like Kendrick expression of. I would say I hate to say like Kendrick expression of blackness. Like he coined it. You know. No, but I did. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> but Outcast went there, but it was within. Like, it was one piece of a much larger, like, conversation. And it was one that they felt was clearly important. Mm -hmm. Like, it was, but it was, there were other things that they wanted to talk about that they, that you needed to know. Yeah. And their ability to package that in ways that obscured it to a degree that made you familiar. Like, you got familiar with it and then you discovered what they were talking about. Exactly. And that is, like, that's a amazing ability i don't know i don't know that i would necessarily say it's better or worse Mm -hmm. you know i don't look at it like that but to be able to dive into their work like that was really just like like you like i said before it it stretches your mind to a degree because you're you know you're in it and you're rocking with it quick and then you're like wait wait what are they saying like yeah you know like damn this is really deep like this is really talking about some real shit and like like I don't know who else was really doing that. No, and especially to the in like, that way to also like when you also add on top of it like the lyrical dexterity and the yeah. like the level of poetry that existed in their lyrics like that's some real fucking shit. I don't know that there was anybody who was and we talked about this any before we started recording, but like there are very few other there are very few other people and I don't know if there's even any one group or artist that has been that successful for that long being that weird that critically acclaimed on a consistent basis like on top of it like was extremely fucking talented and like had the ability to talk about real shit and also had the ability to make like kind of just like whatever like hey yeah is a cute song you know what i mean like it's like a cute it's a cute song and interesting enough there was actually um we'll link this but uh, L.A. Reid was on uh, Rap Radar, oh, the Rap Radar yeah, podcast, yeah. which is really good. Yeah, uh, Elliot Wilson, Elliot B. Wilson. Yeah. Um, so that episode, one that episode is fucking amazing. You I have to LA. go back and listen because <laughs> you know I have feelings about L.A. Reid. Well, I mean, one because I also have feelings about Babyface. I have opinions. Well, I mean, if you think about it, one, Outcast is LaFace. Yeah. So I mean, you know, connection. His interpretation of why um, Andre 3000 kind of left. Mm-hmm. the game like walked away Ooh, and didn't want to come back but one of the things he kind of hinted towards was like with music like hey yeah you know and the thing that they kind of talked about like looking back that particular piece of music it was so forward uh-huh you know in the fact that it like 
the bar was now set really high in terms yeah. of what you have to produce after that. Yeah. But I don't know that Andre 3000 was as like he didn't want to continue to make that type of music. Yeah. You mean like music that was like that happened to also be very popular. Yeah. And even sound like that. Like, you know, and that's a part of their like also going back to this journey, this idea of a creative journey and that they were taking like their music was clearly evolving in certain directions. And at a certain point, it becomes so popular that people expect the same type of thing. Yeah. 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 And your ability to give them something different. There are now boundaries. Because people are now expecting they a certain thing. They want this. Thing. They want you to hit this mark. Yeah, because because you're so big, you're so popular. It's everywhere that mm-hmm. you now need to produce something that everyone can appreciate. Yeah. And I don't know that Andre Three Thousand was really interested in that. You know what though? Like that. I mean, like that makes a lot of sense. There's a lot. I mean, you think about what we talked about like Lauren Hill before. Do yeah. You know what I mean? And that's a very like I could. I mean, now let's be real. She had a lot of other stuff going on. You know, Andre yeah. 3000 kind of been laying low, drinking tea. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Making sweaters and whatever the fuck he does. Yeah. Dropping a, a mean 16 every now and again. Yeah, every now and again. Whenever he gets a guest on somebody else's song, goddamn. Like, you know, who ha- who amongst us has not cried tears while listening to Pink Matter? But yeah, but I mean, you know, Lauren has some other stuff going on. But yeah, I, I could see how she was in a similar position where you like you, like you make something at that level. But it, where it's very you, it's very good. But it also like to the point where it's so huge that it's changed what everybody else in the industry is doing and caring about. And people want you to hit that exact same point. They want you to like make that exact. They want to be made to feel the exact same way by something that you create. And it's like when I would guess. In both of their position, they did not set out to make something for anybody else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when you have that shift in expectations on such a large scale, like that's a lot of fucking pressure. I probably would quit. Nah, I hate to put it that way, but I probably be faced with the same, uh, like especially being being young. Yeah. I could see how that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, I mean, you're still growing. Like he's clearly, you know, constantly been looking. Been been involving like who he wants to, how he wants to present. You know, and now to have that much focus on it and like it be this thing, like I don't know that it was oh as gosh. much. He's just forty now. He's yeah, 20, he's like twenty nine. I mean, both he's of like, them are like our age when they. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like you know, you you're still trying to figure out who you want to be, mm-hmm. and now, you know, you gotta, you have to sell that in a way that you didn't before. Well, you know what else too? That's also a little bit. It's a little shade of like. Because what Lauren was like twenty five or twenty six when that yeah. show was happening, maybe even a little younger, and like makes me think also of like Dave Chappelle, who we haven't yeah. necessarily gone in, in too deep into that before, but I think there's something there we could definitely talk about like further down the line. But like you know, I went back and rewatched like the I think the episode of Oprah where after he quit Chappelle show, and then like I watched you know the the Iconoclast or whatever episode mm-hmm. or whatever on IFC with him and Maya Angelou, which is on YouTube if you haven't seen it. But um, he. Uh, where you like, I was thinking like, okay, like I get where he was coming from as far as he felt like he was making something where like, like he, I think like actually like of the three people that we've mentioned, like where Andre 3000 and Lauren Hill kind of got to a certain point and they were like, mm, I don't know, is this for me or is this for other people? They like stopped because he obviously was in a different discipline. Yeah. Television works differently than record deals and stuff like that. Like if you got a season, the season got to come out. Your album kind of pushed back the release date. <laughs> TV, can't do that shit. Yeah. So he, they gave him like, you know, $30 million or whatever. And he's like, all right, I got to do this. Um, 
But like I think I remember thinking like when I was like, you know, 17, like, how the fuck would you walk away from that? And now as an adult, like I'm realizing he was only like 31 years old. And to be like, I think about, you know, obviously we're not making the Chappelle show or, you know, (laughs) the love below. I like to make an important contribution to the culture. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Right. But I could also see like, let's say that we did make a ton of money from this. And then like somebody swooped in and was just like, okay, so you guys are doing great. We just need you to do X, Y, and Z. And we're going to give you these checks. And it's like, on one level, you're like, well, yeah. But then also, like, you kind of like, uh, what's about to change? Like, yeah. what does that mean? Like, I could definitely see, like, like being like, because I still, you know, I still, like, you know, you got a kid and stuff. Yeah. But, like, I think you would agree that we, I, I feel pretty young. Yeah. And I kind of, like, feel like I maybe wouldn't know what to do in that position. I could see, like, because, hey, yeah, like, we talk, just talked about the blackness of outcasts, right? Yeah. Outcast was not known really to white people in a real way until like a decade ago yeah. when Speaker Box and The Love Below came out. Yeah. And like I could definitely see how that like how that It's jarring. It's jarring. Like yeah, it totally makes sense on why you would need to step away. But I, and the thing that also sucks about I won't say it sucks. But the interesting thing about this conversation now that I think about it as well, like as we're having it, mm-hmm. I also think about big boys' relationship and all this. Yeah, because you know, there's always so much focus on like when it when Andre when is Andre three thousand gonna come back? Like yeah. you know, around the time of their meanwhile, meanwhile, like, big boy, big boy been sick with it for a long time. Ain't stopped. Big boy <laughs> has not released a bad album in his life. Yeah, in his life, like like shit. No one really talk like even on Speaker Box Love Love Below. People don't give Speaker Box a credit. People do not give Speaker Box a credit. Like it's got. I mean, first of all, I'm pretty sure it has the way you move. The way you move Which, is on there. Like who's who whose parents don't love that song? <laughs> whose parents that's don't love that shade. song? That's almost shade, but no, that's real. Like, but I mean, but that, I mean, that's real shit. No, but to me, that's a high compliment. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? No, yeah. yeah if no, to get if you if you made a if you made a hip hop song in in 2005, <laughs> and my fucking 50 year old parents are like. Oh, but even like even if you think about how it sounds like now like that type of like he was able to weave funk like you know what i'm saying like traditional like hip hop bass mm-hmm. and then like like that kind of um like kind of almost these syncopated rhythms yeah. that were like just going crazy that didn't sound like anything yeah. else and was spitting on that church, shit church church yeah, like it was really like ghetto music. Ghetto music oh is my. crazy. Like <laughs> you can't even so good. talk the music, that through that song. That song is so good. No, you can't. Like you can't. <laughs> it is like it's ridiculous. Like no one was really doing that, and it kind of got overshadowed. Like with it got over. It definitely not kind of got overshadowed. It definitely got overshadowed within the con. Like within the conversation about like, oh man, this is their last album. It's a, like it's a double album. Yeah. Then how far left the love below went? It sucks that this got left out. But you know what though. There's some deep shit in that. I don't follow music that deep, if I'm really being honest. Yeah. I'm probably going to get kicked out of several different social groups that were interesting. <laughs> but I, I don't follow music that deep. I got fucking podcasts to make shit like that. And, you know what I'm saying? I got people to text. You know what I'm saying? I got food to cook. But, like, I like to read uh, music criticism a lot. And something that, like, drives me fucking crazy and there's a million places we could go in this conversation, but I'm going to focus on this specifically, is, like, like the whole rockist point of view. Mm. And I can't remember who coined the term, but, like, rockism basically is, like, this idea that, like, the more... And it's so, it's so fucking... It's so fucking... 
fucking flawed in general. Like it, just to begin with, just because um like rock is is like asserting that like music like white music is better. Rock mm. is better. Yeah. The weirder the quote unquote weirder something is, the less the less hood street black it is, like the more legitimate it is. Yeah. And I think that like when you're looking at Outkast through a white lens. Andre 3000 is going to be your obvious pick for who is the better artist, who's more influential. So I think that like once they really started to get the mainstream critical acclaim, I think that just because of how racist like music criticism is yeah. on so many fucking different levels, Andre 3000 got a lot more of the credit and he got a lot more of the attention, even though Andre, like, like, uh, like Big Boy is fucking super fucking talented yeah. and they are and have always been very tight creative partners yeah. and there's there's no way really for one to exist without the other most of the hooks you know what i'm saying like this is something that I, like that i've read or and also heard in like a few different places but uh-huh. it's also just true like most of the hooks that we know and sing like rosa parks you uh-huh. know um and elevators were all like written by big boy you yeah. know and were all like written and sung or rapped by big boy like yeah. he was just as like just as influential in advancing how like I think futuristic their music sounded yeah. and how like how like adding so much texture to it as Andre three thousand was and it's and and I agree like Andre three thousand's like three stacks <laughs> three stacks <laughs> is expression of who he was definitely sometimes overshadowed that while the music itself yeah was equal. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And that was actually, like, and that also, like, we talked a little bit earlier about, like, how, like, even though Andre got a lot of the credit, like, still on some level, you have to give the man credit for being a black man from the hood, a a straight black man from the hood of Atlanta wearing a pink wig, you know what I'm saying, and fucking pantaloons, do you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, bloomers and shit, no top, cummerbund, you know what I mean? Like. Just doing this shit and being like, it's cool. But like that, like, so that is already a level of like weirdness that I have so much of an appreciation for. But also, like, I love how their partnership and how like Big Boy's relationship with and to Andre 3000, like, completely was just like, this is fine. Like, yeah, this is like, what's, this is different. What's different? This is what we do. Yeah. Like, that, I mean, honestly, that was huge. You know, that, that was huge for me. Like, I mean, obviously, I was a very different level of weird. Yeah. You know, like, I was v- weird in terms of, like, you know, wearing, like, sweater vests and, like, dad. You were like, a little bit more of a Roger from <laughs> Sister Sister yeah. level. Yes. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, in ter- like where where I grew up and where I went to school, like, I had, you know, I had friends who were who were a lot more, who were a lot better at expressing, like, their hoodness. And you are from the South, too, you have I, to mention. Yeah, than I, than I was. And I was always, you know, there's always this nervousness. There's always this, like, you know, growing up, you're always wondering how people are going to accept you, mm-hmm. you know. And you want to be accepted. You want to be accepted by your friends. You want to be accepted by, uh, feel like you have a place in blackness, even if it, you know, sometimes feels as though your expression of that blackness doesn't, like, look normal. Mm-hmm. And so their relationship brought me a huge degree of comfort. It's like, yo, if big boy <laughs> are like are like still so cool and yeah. like you know still able to produce this like this work like if they showcase this range like so clearly yeah. like I'm in there somewhere you know yeah you know maybe not on like <laughs> like the cool <laughs> side but like I'm 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 I exist in that 
in that range on some level. Yeah. And I think, again, going back to why like people can identify with them, because they showcase this like massive range. Mm-hmm. Like everybody sees themselves in there somewhere. Sometimes you feel like a, you know, sometimes you feel like Andre 3000. Yeah. Sometimes Tonight I'm going to be feeling like, like Big Boy. <laughs> I know that. I know that. I know that. Right? But yeah, I mean, I think what they what they showcased about what it meant to be black, be black from the hood and like produce art. Yeah. Was like was really crazy. And it, you know what I'm saying, it pro- like it really it really opened up a lot of different avenues. Like like if you look at what comes out of Atlanta now. Are you go ahead, keep talking. You know, if you look at what comes out of Atlanta now, yeah. like how the fuck is that possible? How do you have that range? Without yeah. Outcast, you don't. You don't. You don't you get a McConan. <laughs> no, you don't get a McConan. Father, and, like, yeah, a father, and also like a Donald Glover. Yeah, and then also like Jeezy. Yeah, do you know what I'm saying? Like you don't get all of these things. But that's like one of the coolest things. Like Outcast, I've always had this fascination with Atlanta. My aunt used to live there. I think she moved to North Carolina like ten years ago. So I used to travel a, like a, there a fair amount, but I never got to really spend time there and really understand Atlanta. One of the things that blew my mind when I went to Howard, first of all, seventy five percent of Howard is from Atlanta. Yeah, <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Everybody is from everybody is from Atlanta yeah. to some degree. Um, but people from Atlanta, and even as like I like grow up and I meet other like black adults, like who are from Atlanta, like they have. They are like the weirdest, dopest people, and it's like I feel like 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 Atlanta had to have some like just weirdness in general, just like at its base to produce Outcast. Yeah, and then like Outcast like just like cycled all of their weirdness back into Atlanta, and like they've always lifted up Atlanta, just like you know what I'm saying like just yeah, just so seriously, but like. I feel like there's like a like I feel like Outcast has to do with the reason why just not even rappers but like people from Atlanta have like you know because obviously like on some level you know they've got like the historical the civil rights like there's a lot like there's a lot going popping off and it's just a great place for Black folks to live in general if you have a family yeah. like there's that but then there's also like this weird like how do I put it like this. There's this like really specific, I feel like, comfort in like your identity as a black person that people in it like that I feel like I like I feel like I had to really like work for and earn like yeah. as a young adult mm. that I feel like a lot of black folks from Atlanta just kinda like showed up with. Like they kinda like they kinda like came into it. Well, even if you go into music, like Atlanta has always been known for like straight up creating sounds mm-hmm. and like a very big range of sounds like you think about like to take it back like LaFace you know what I'm saying yeah. like LaFace had a very specific sound in terms of its expression of R&B that was yeah. super different then you go into like so so death like so true you know like that was a very like specific type of sound and then you go with Outkast and then you go with you, you know, know you like T.I. and yeah. like and then also we can't can't forget obviously Dungeon Family yeah Dungeon Outkast, Family as a yeah. whole like you yeah. know what I'm saying I mean like, CeeLo a lot of people CeeLo, don't know Big Gip like weird <laughs> to me that people don't know that CeeLo's from Dungeon Family Furcher <laughs> you made your boy future like yeah it's just you know they they have always had that range and because i think you have that range because it's always been this like black cultural mecca like i do imagine that that it has to be easier to a certain degree to feel very different 
because there's always been yeah you know like you know maybe not these particular expressions of different yeah you know but post outcast like it's like oh do what you want yeah <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> doors wide open yeah like and that's that's really great and i don't think that the importance of that could be understated. No, but the, I mean the the thing that I do want to I do think we should point out though is that there there are other artists who really uh, did a great job of expressing that yes. like that like black weirdo and all uh, mentality and also like pushing the boundaries of like yeah. what we think about in yeah. terms of blackness. And you call one out, Missy. Obviously, Missy. obviously, we need your girl come back. Yeah. You know, I'm sitting here waiting on you we come waiting. back. I'm I think ready. she is working she on the song, album. I know. Though. I know. I'm, I stay abreast. My friend, my dear friend Jordan, in back in Michigan, he has been waiting for Missy's next album to come out every day for the past ten years, and he's like, "This is our year. Missy gonna do it next year, 2017. Missy gonna do it. I'm ready. I'm ready." For a long time, Busta was like that too. Yeah. Like, if you think about his videos, uh, his I was gonna say his, videos, all of his partnerships with fucking Hype Williams and all yeah, that. Yeah, like wild. he was always really like expanding those boundaries. Also, to a certain degree, Wu Tang. Like, I was going to say the same thing. I was going to say the same you know, thing. Wu-Tang was always Super on weird. some other shit. Because yeah. like, if you think about it, like, I mean, Ghostface is weird to a certain degree. Red Man is super yeah. weird. They're all very different. Like, you know, like you talk about Raekwon, like listening yes. to Raekwon talk is just like. It's a different type of experience <laughs> for the ear. It's a different oral experience. Yes. Yeah. Like, I mean, you just have, there. there have always been, you know, these people within hip hop, I think, who have subtly expanded how we look at it. Yeah. Um I just do think Outcast has done done that to such a maybe the the highest degree. Yeah, and it's I think it's like the lifeblood of like who they are. It's like the lifeblood of their partnership. And additionally like they like they've also like <laughs> to bring it back to the journey metaphor we've been all hammering into the ground. But like um but like They've been in this partnership, just two people together, releasing like like they've never made a bad album, really. Do you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. um, even I, well, you can call it bad, but like it went with a movie that was such a huge, awesome thing that they did. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, and folks, like, folks shit on Idlewild. Idlewild's actually not bad. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. And also, like in hindsight, like that's a really that was a really cool thing to do to like, yeah. make to like there are very few period films about black people that aren't explicitly about racism mm. and i think that like that's one and eve's bayou is one and yeah. i can't really think of too many more at all um i can't really think yeah. of too many more at all it's kind of hard yeah to exactly so like the fact that they tried to that they did that like in like you know 2008 or something like that um and really like you know like committed to to like bringing forth this new like like it, it's just a different a different visual like like a different film aesthetic of like what blackness could look like like that's a real cool thing the fact that they made music to go along with that that was experimental and that they tried to like make the shit work together yeah i respect them for that shit um but like they, they have like also been allowed to like grow and change, yeah. and they've grown and changed like together. Like they actually never separate. Um, and like you know, Andre went through the phase where he was like you know three thousand excuse me went to, through the phase where he was wearing the uh, the Rory the Rory hats. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. And Rory wears the Rory hats because yeah. Andre wore them. So he has a little straw, a little Uckleberry Finn shit going. Yeah, with his little college sweaters and he's making the jeans and all that kind of stuff. Um, like they are allowed to go through different iterations visually and 
aesthetically and sonically and separately and together. Um, but like out like who Outcast is like that still remains constant and like alive and like real. Um, and I don't think that there's really anybody else in hip hop um, or really like making black art on a huge popular scale like that who's been that consistent. Yeah. I just don't think I don't think there's anybody who's been that consistent, been that been that strong, been that long. No, nah, I completely agree. Like I was reading this thing, um, and I think this this uh this kind of sums it up really well. But in the in the retrospective from Pitchfork, they said uh, we routinely celebrate the contradictions of artists as a badge of complexity. But Outcast was the rarity able to reconcile commerce, human decency, and purity of vision. Like like Outcast really Damn. They brought everything all together and gave you that shit packaged how you've never heard it before. So true. So like, outcast. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, man, this is uh. This is go good. back and listen to Equimini. Yeah, go back and listen to Equimini. Go back and listen to uh, on Stankonia, uh, humble to the mumble. Go back to, <laughs> humble mumble. Go back and listen to Kim and Cookie. Yeah, the one cool. Of the, the one of the best interludes of all time. Um, please. Also, you know the uh, I'll call before I come. Gangsta Boo's, uh, you know, Gangsta Boo's contribution. Shout out to the yeah. first, hold it down, Tennessee. <laughs> Hardly home, always repping. Always repping. Um, but yeah, man, uh, thank you, Outcast. We pre- appreciate you. And um, <laughs> and big uh, one, don't sleep. Big boy still putting out music. Big, big boy, boy has just had an album stopped. that came out with. Um, I think, was it Purity Ring or Fantagram? No, I think it was Fantagram. I think it was Fantagram, yeah. Who I actually have seen live, and they're pretty good. I saw them live with Action Bronson a year ago with my sister, who the one who doesn't has never heard the show before. So I'm just, I'm, you know, I might even just, like, I'll tell her about name. I'll, I'll make her start with this episode, just because I know she'll be interested in hearing me her talk about her. Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> she'll love to hear her own name. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah, so thank you. Um, yeah. Go, you know, hey, you know what you should do right now? What? Do you know what everybody should do right now? Rhyme to be. That, not that. Okay. Do you know what everybody should do? That is a good idea. Go write us a review. Oh, my God. Write us a review. Write us a review. Also, like, we've been getting some good emails recently. Yeah. Keep writing. Keep, keep writing. Yeah, keep writing. We've been getting some good emails. Thank like, you. Y'all been killing it with the emails recently. Like, we've been getting some good shit. So, yeah, we appreciate the emails. Um, keep tweeting at us and ask us about shit that you feel is ignorant because that's a real fun. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, man, that Chirac trailer. Oh man, <laughs> hey, that shit. Tell us what you Yeah. So, uh, you know, also like, uh, I don't know. I just want to shout out Zola. <laughs> we Yo, don't have to do that. What? <laughs> what? We got. We eventually have to do. An episode, not necessarily about Zola, but I do want to. We should. We should actually. No, do. it's we a phenomenon. It's a phenomenon worth 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 commenting on yeah there's a lot of shit going folks, on folks try situation. to play it but this like it was levels to this zola shit it was like <laughs> so many like i got i have the levels i have levels that make me angry i have levels that have me fucking crying laughing yeah. levels that make me depressed levels that make me excited levels that make me interested it's levels to zola like real time, to unpack i'm gonna say this mm-hmm. the zola story could be a season of cereal Like, where is the lie? Where is it? <laughs> like, I would tell me, tell me you would not listen to 10 episodes 
uh, them digging through the Zola story, serial style. <laughs> I just need the Jared call. <laughs> The like, call? yo, it's going down. It is going down. Oh we got, we got to do, we're going to take a break. We're going to take a hiatus, and we're going to get on that. Yeah, we're going to get on that. <laughs> Sarah Koenig, if you steal this shit. Yo, we coming for you. We coming for you. We have officially have beef. <laughs> you just call call me Shook Knight. Call me Shook Knight. Anyway, thanks, anyway, y'all. Thanks, you guys. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. This is a good episode. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream is a total chocolate game changer. We start with unbelievably creamy dark chocolate ice cream. Then we add different chocolate treats, like chocolate cookies, chocolate cake, or chocolate brownies to make four decadent chocolate flavors. Because sometimes the thing that pairs best with chocolate (laughs) is more chocolate. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream. Extraordinary Dairy.